This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Christmas Story podcast series. Hello, I'm Mike Davis. And I'm Grace Smith. And we want to welcome you to a special Christmas edition of the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. If you've listened to any of the other Deranged Bible Stories episodes, then you might remember that they are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. Since the holiday season is always a special time of year, especially for those who celebrate Christmas, we would like to offer a somewhat deranged and unique perspective on the Christmas story. What are you talking about? It's not Christmas yet. Oh, that's right. I guess we did just finish Thanksgiving last week, so it's not quite Christmas yet, but it's almost Christmas. No, it isn't. We still have almost four full weeks to go. Well, I guess I'm getting into the Christmas spirit early then. Why? Don't you think you're rushing into it a little bit too soon? maybe a little, but it's easy to do when you hear Christmas music and see the lights and things are all decorated. Come on, people are getting everything ready to celebrate. Don't you think it's kind of fun and exciting? Not really. I think it's overly commercial and people aren't as interested in the true meaning of Christmas as they are in decorating, buying presents, and planning events. All this stuff just misses the real meaning of the season. Okay, Mr. Scrooge. So tell me, just what is the real meaning of the season? The Christmas story. The story is what it's all about. Which story? What do you mean, which story? There's only one Christmas story. Oh, I am sorry, but you are so wrong. There are hundreds of Christmas stories. There's a visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore and a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss and The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry and Frosty the Snowman and... Wait, wait, wait. No, not those kind of Christmas stories. I mean the real Christmas story. The one about Mary and Joseph and Jesus being born in a stable, and the shepherds and the angels and the wise men. The one where God comes into the world bringing hope and joy that will last forever. That's the real Christmas story. Oh, you mean the Bible story from Luke's Gospel. Yes, that's the one. That's what Christmas is really all about. I think most people already know that story pretty well, and to be honest, it's a little bit dull. Dull? Dull? Are you kidding me? It's a great story. It's the best story. You wouldn't have a Grinch or a Scrooge or even a Santa Claus if it weren't for that story. Just because it's religious doesn't make it dull. I bet you don't even know the story all that well. I'll take that bet. In fact, I'll tell the story right now. Oh, go right ahead. This I gotta hear. Once upon a time, Wait a minute. You can't begin a religious story that way. Why not? Well, because that's the way fairy tales begin, and this isn't a fairy tale. Okay, so it's not a fairy tale. Then what is it? 
What do you mean, what is it? It's, it's the Christmas story, remember? Right. I mean, it's a serious story. It's about history. It's about good and evil. It's about life and death. It's about God. Don't you think I know that? Well, if you did, then you know that you just can't start the story with once upon a time. It's too trite. It's too, too secular. The opening to this story has to be different. It has to get people's attention. The beginning has to put it into context and historical setting, and it has to have drama. Oh, and I suppose that you can give the story more context, setting, and drama than I can. Well, I can do a lot better than Once Upon a Time. Then do it. Do what? Start the story. Are you sure you don't mind? <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, I can't wait to hear the context, setting, and drama. Well, if you insist. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip Tetrarch of the region of Athuria and Triconitus, and Licinius Tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. How's that for context and setting? Huh. <sighs> there was a priest named Zachariah, and he had a wife. Her name was Elizabeth. Women have names, you know. They're not just wives or recognized solely by their relationship with some man. You are such a chauvinist. I know her name was Elizabeth. They were both very good people, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And I am not a chauvinist. Elizabeth and Zachariah. Okay, okay. Elizabeth and Zachariah. They kept all the commandments and the laws. And there was no reason that anyone could think of why they should not have all the blessings that God could give. But they didn't, did they? You see, children were considered to be a great blessing from God, and they didn't have any. And of course it was Elizabeth's fault because she couldn't have children, and there wasn't much hope that they would ever have any because, well, they were both getting old. That doesn't seem fair to me. Why is it always the woman's fault? We're telling the Christmas story. We're not discussing sexism. As I said before, Zachariah was a priest, and it was part of his job to take turns serving at the altar in the temple in Jerusalem. So one day, Zachariah went into the Holy of Holies to take his turn at lighting the incense. All the other people had to stay outside? Only the priests could go in? I bet they didn't have any women priests, did they? Right, they didn't have any women priests, and only the male priest appointed for that day could go in. May I continue with the story? Sure, knock yourself out. While he was inside, alone, all by himself because no one else could go in, an angel appeared to Zachariah on the right-hand side of the altar, and it nearly scared him to death. Well, that's completely understandable. So he almost passed out and fell on the floor. The angel said, Oh, chill. There's nothing to get so worked up about. The angel actually said, Don't be afraid, Zachariah. I'm here to let you know that your prayer has been answered and that you're a wife. Elizabeth, she has a name. Okay. The angel said, 
I'm here to let you know that your prayer has been answered and that your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. And you will name him... John! You will name him John! Could I please just continue the story? Of course. Just make sure it has context, setting, and drama. Thank you. And so, the angel went on to say, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's Elizabeth's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And God will go before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Oh, the angel didn't really say all that. Yes, he did. How do you know? It says so in the book. So what? I don't believe it. Well, neither did Zachariah, and he said that to the angel. What did he say to the angel? Same as you. I don't believe it. I can understand that, can't you? Here's this old man and old women with a perfectly comfortable lifestyle, and some angel pops down and says, Hi, guess what? Your wife's going to get pregnant. I would not only not believe it, I wouldn't even want it. Well, then you'd have been in trouble, too. Why? What happened? When Zachariah said he didn't believe it, the angel said, Oh, yeah? Well, I'm Gabriel, and I was sent here directly by God himself. But since you don't believe me, maybe this will convince you. Until all of the things that I have said will happen actually do happen, you're not going to say anything to anybody. Huh? Until the baby comes, you will not be able to speak one single word. That should be proof enough, bucko. He couldn't talk at all? That's right. That's totally harsh. So what did he do after that? Well, Zachariah went home and got right to work. What kind of work? I thought he was a priest. He went home and Elizabeth became pregnant. Oh, nice work if you can get it. Hmm. And for five months, she, Elizabeth, didn't go out in public because no one would believe this could happen. But she believed it was a gift from God. I guess she could talk then. Yes, and so can you. I don't mind if I do. Don't forget the context setting and drama. Don't Press your luck. It was in Elizabeth's sixth month that the angel Gabriel... Wait a minute. Is that the same angel? Yes, it's the same angel. What? Was God short of help? Why the same angel? I don't know. Just get on with the story. So, the same angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. He came to a young virgin who was engaged to a man called Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. I know, smart Alec. And the angel said, Hi, Mary, you're a lucky girl. Would you stick to the story, please? Okay. The angel said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That's better. But Mary was greatly troubled at this saying and considered in her mind what this might mean. I don't blame her. Every time this angel character shows up, somebody gets pregnant. I know, I know. Stick to the story. So, the angel says, don't be afraid. You've found favor with God. <laughs> Boy, what a line he's got. 
Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive and bear a son. I knew it. They're all alike. Don't you think this story can stand on its own without your editorial comments? I'm just trying to give it setting and context. You're wrecking it. Let me do the angel, you just do Mary. If you insist. And the angel said, Behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Mary said, How can this be, since I have no husband? <sighs> and the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, and Mary said, and Mary said, Not on your shiny white wings, you feathered pervert. Oh, oh, never mind. She really said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so she got pregnant and the angel left, which doesn't surprise me at all. You've got a pretty negative attitude about this part, don't you? Yes, I've got a pretty negative attitude about this part. Y you'd have a pretty negative attitude, too, if you'd ever been a 17-year-old girl who fell for a line from some monumental jerk she thought was an angel. You'd have a damn negative attitude if you found out that an angel can tell you how much he loves you, but when you get pregnant, he sprouts wings and flies away. Let me tell you about negative attitudes. Let me, me, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whose story is this? I'm supposed to be talking about her, not me. What's going on here? Who is this story about? Maybe in some way this story is about all of us. So, so this, this is, is how the Christmas, Christmas story begins. begins. It isn't just about them. It's about us. It's about life, with all of its unexpected twists and turns and struggles and challenges. It's about how life, our life, can become worthwhile and exciting and joyous and full of hope, no matter what happens. This is how the Christmas story begins. But we've barely scratched the surface of the story so far. Stay, Stay tuned, tuned for the, the rest, rest of the story, story in, in the, the next, next episodes. episodes.